Welcome, everybody. Let's talk real estate. Your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey, Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul. Welcome to everybody back again. It's Tuesday, and we're here to talk real estate. Thanks for our viewers and our listeners for tuning in and once again. I am Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company and managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. And if it's one thing I've learned in my 30-plus years uh, in the real estate business, it's to look at both sides of the equation, make informed business decisions, gather all the information you can, and try and go forward with the best decisions that you can possibly do. And today, we're going to try and give our viewers and our listeners out there some input, some insight on this ever-changing commercial real estate market. We've got an interesting show today. Today, we're going to do a grab bag viewer mail show. We get a lot of questions. People email in, ask all kinds of questions about different things, and we thought we'd try and answer some of them and address them today and, and give some folks some insight. So, Paul, I'm going to have you act as the questionnaire, so to speak, Okay, uh, and I will try to do my best to answer uh, whatever I can. And if I don't know the answer, I'll do my best to make it up. And the contest at the end is for viewers to guess which is which, right? Yeah. And if you can't tell the difference, then just assume it's it's the truth and you should go with it, right? If it sounds good, go with it. Exactly. Well, I think that's the theme for today's market here. If it sounds good, go with it. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, we're going into recession. That sounds good. Let's go with it. Here. Yeah. Well, look, and then you have to act accordingly, right? So we'll, we'll try and navigate. I'm ready. Why don't we just dive right in? Go ahead and hit me. I'm going to look back and forth to the camera and to you and over to the screen and try and do my best to stay focused. So I, I think that's the plan because it's uh, really talking to the audience. These are questions from the audience. People email us. Sometimes occasionally we even get a, a, a live one in the mail. That was this one. Susie from Anaheim said, love your show, but worried about interest rates rising. I've been looking at purchasing a home. I'm starting to see the prices come down. If I wait, it's going to get better. That's just a real estate question. I don't know how we got into this. Yeah, you know, this is coffee talk stuff. I mean, uh, I tell people I have a real estate show and they say, oh, what's going to happen to the value of my house? Or should I buy or should I sell? Which is not really the focus of what we do, but I'm going to answer it anyway because it's on everybody's minds. Right. And the question really is, should I buy now or should I wait? And it's a double-edged sword because if you believe that the prices will come down because you're going into a recession or we're already in a recession and that the real estate market has tapped itself out, which many people do, then you should wait because if you believe tomorrow's price will be cheaper than today, then you'll get a better deal. The problem with that is the Fed has already said they're gonna raise interest rates. And so if you do wait, you're gonna pay a higher interest rate. You're gonna pay more on that mortgage, even though cheaper price. Now you could go back in the future if rates go down and refinance at a later date. So I think we're back to the same old question, which is if you find the house that you like, residential is much more emotional than commercial. If you find something you like and that's the deal and it feels good, do it. And then I wouldn't worry as long as you can afford the mortgage. If you can't afford it, don't do it, right? So I would say it's a it's a double-edged sword here. Do I wait or do I go? There's still limited inventory in many markets around the country. So you just don't have that many things to pick from. And a lot of people who are thinking about selling have decided not to because if they were going to trade into something, they have the same question on their mind. So I would say short answer is if you find the one you like, pull the trigger, assuming you can afford it. If you really believe the benefit of waiting and the prices will go down dramatically, will supersede everything else you have going on, then just wait. Keep your eyes open. 
So I'm going to insert my own question here. We talked about this occasion. I, I love the uh, conversations after the show because that's where some of your guests really open up and get real. And one of the things one of them said, I won't identify who, was, it's hard to believe that once all these prices go up, gas, bread, apartments, houses, that it's ever really going to come down that much. It might come down and cool off a little bit, but are we ever going to go back to $4 gallon gas? Yeah, I don't know. I paid over $7 uh, last night here in Orange County, and I actually drove around to three different cities, not looking for gas, but I was in three different cities, and I happened to check the gas prices. They were all over $7, and the cheapest one at the, you know, using your debit card and paying cash was still, you know, in the mid-sixes. And so here in Southern California, it's a problem. I don't know how else to describe it. I got to believe that if everything in my life costs more money, if the cheeseburger, the $6 burger is now twelve fifty, if all of those things are that much more money, eventually it's got to hit home with people and eventually it's got to impact their spending habits. And I think that just trickles back to the housing market. And somebody told me a long time ago, I know you got a bunch of other questions, but I'll get my chance to offer one other one here, that apartments and housing have an inverse relationship as housing is unaffordable then obviously everybody has to get into apartment but if somehow housing became more affordable would that affect the apartment market would that come down to of course certainly affect availability and it would create activity in the market and we saw this in the inland empire and the desert communities where housing if you rewind was very inexpensive relative to orange county or los angeles or san diego or anywhere along the coast And then all of a sudden, the housing market shot up, number one, because people from those more densely populated areas relocated because it was cheaper and because they wanted to get out of Dodge or or get out of the rat race or the city, and it ran the prices up. And so people who can afford and have the credit and have the down payment to be able to buy a house, they really should because there's the tax benefits and everything else that go along with it. You have pride of ownership, and hopefully long-term, you're creating value. But if you don't have the down payment, if your credit has marks on it, if there's limited opportunity, if interest rates are higher, we have a lot of tenants in our portfolio that have said, hey, I'm buying a house or, hey, I'm going to leave at the end of my lease. They go and they look and see what else is out there, and then they wind up coming back and going, hey, I couldn't find what I want. And so that then fuels the apartment market because you have lower vacancy and just less opportunities for people. Well, that's Mary from Irvine. She sent us an email, and she said, my landlord is raising my rent significantly because the market's hot. That's her assumption. Should I hurry up and buy something? Or should I be looking to just move somewhere else? Or do I just, she doesn't say this, but just suck it up and stay where you're at? Stay yeah. Where you're at. Yeah. I mean, again, you're back to the same thing, which is if the apartment that you're in or the dwelling that you're in works for you, there's no reason for you to move and rent someplace else. Your next move ought to be to buy something. If the place you're in is too small or doesn't have a yard or doesn't have a washer dryer or doesn't have a garage or the things that you would want, then you keep your eyes open and you look. The dilemma is you do have an end-all date. Your lease is up at a certain point in time. So unless your landlord will let you stay on a month-to-month basis forever, then you're going to have to sign a new lease and you're going to get forced into either signing a new lease or moving and doing something else. And the other problem is trying to line up those apples so that they coincide. If you're trying to buy a place that the escrow closes when your lease is up, and those things are more difficult in today's market because sometimes the escrow gets strung out now because the lenders are, are tightening their belt and, and they're swamped and they're, they got short-staffed and everything else. So I'm back to the same thing. If, if your apartment or the house or the condo that you live in works, Uh, You may just be better off buying yourself another year and seeing where everything lies in a year. If you find the perfect fit, you know, and you have the money, do it. 
Which raises an interesting thought. You own a lot of apartments. Are landlords willing to do month to month? Maybe because they think rents are going to go up and they're not sure, so they'll let you just go month to month. Tenants would certainly like to go month to month while they're waiting this out. Yeah, I, and that's a, probably a whole other show. But yeah. I would tell you, from our perspective, we don't do month to month because we can't afford to have the uncertainty of having anybody wake up on any given day and decide they're going to move. There's just too much activity for us. We need to be able to plan. If somebody's moving, fine. Then we'll set up to make whatever improvements or renovations we are to that unit and can start marketing it. Uh, we are very full. The market is very tight. And so in many instances, we have wait lists of people for the property. So sometimes people will say, look, I'm moving. And then they didn't have another place lined up or it winds up falling through. And then they come back and we've already re-rented the unit to someone else because they've been waiting for months to try and get a place. And so now you're really in a pickle. Other landlords, you know, I, I've talked to, to many people and, and some of them say, hey, we're fine to do month to month because we don't want to lock in because we think rates could continue to go up. Exactly. And why would we lock them in at a price for an entire year? The other side of it is if the tenant winds up having financial problems or has had financial problems in the past, then why do I want to sign them up for a year? I might as well just chug along for a few more months and see what happens. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens through the holidays. Typically, the holiday season, people struggle. They spend money on other things, hmm. presents and, and holiday travel and, and those kinds of things, and then uh, seem to struggle a bit, some folks, with being laid on the rent. And then you combine that with the recession and the inflation and everything else, and I think it could present some problems come January. At the moment, apartment market's very tight. I would say you need to be, if you're a tenant, you need to be on good terms with your landlord. You need to be communicating with them. They really do have, unfortunately, the upper hand in today's market. And do you see an end to apartments being built or converted? we reached a capacity for a while or we still got lots of apartments coming online to take advantage of it? I'm thinking of all the office towers are trying to turn into things or well, hotels and other things. You still have a lot of apartments in the works and you have deals that are taking longer again because of just uh, delays and supply chain delays and other things. But the need for housing, especially here in Southern California, is so high that you will continue to see projects like conversions of parking lots and malls and, yeah. and office buildings uh, that go to a higher and better use come out of the ground. But those things take time. And then, you know, somebody said to me yesterday, oh, I saw an ad for a brand new apartment complex and they were giving a month free, which is sort of unheard of in a very tight market. And so it sounds like the market's getting very soft because they can't rent it, so they're giving away free mm -hmm. rent. And I said, no, no, that's not the case. They're just trying to get it filled and then go look at the rent they're charging. Because if the rent is at the top of the mark and you're a landlord and you give away a month free, it really doesn't matter, right? I'm just trying to get full. And then right. once I get mostly full, that free rent's going away. It doesn't mean the landlord's desperate. If you start to see the prices come down, which you've seen in other instances, whether it's mom and pops or individual owners, and you start to see the, I, I pick a number, right? I get a three-bedroom apartment in Irvine that they tried to rent it for $5,000 a month, which is a really sort of high mark number. And then all of a sudden now you see it at 4500 a month. They didn't drop the price, 50 or or $100. They dropped it $500. They dropped it 10%. If I'm the person looking on Redfin, I go, hey, market soft. We're in a recession. They're dropping the price. They're dropping their pants. Right. Except that that property wasn't worth 5000 in the first place. And therein <laughs> lies the rub. Yeah. So the property probably wasn't even worth 4500 And so they shot over the bow. Now they're pulling it back, and the average person looking in says, gee, the market's soft. Right. And the fact of the matter is it's not as soft as you think. It just looks like it because people are getting real. From a landlord perspective or even a seller's perspective in the residential market, if you don't get real out the gate, 
you have a real problem and you're going to wind up chasing the market down. And we've talked about that on other shows mm-hmm. with the residential folks that we've had in, which is very difficult to educate your client when they believe it's yesterday's number and they want this. They want every top dollar and they're greedy and they're trying to squeak it out. And you're trying to tell them, no, 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 that boat sailed. And so, again, it's going to be interesting because the residential market typically cools off in the holidays on the sales side and on the rental side. And then you combine that with an election, midterm elections. You combine that with recession. You combine that with high, high stock market volatility and really nothing good coming out in the news and to make you get excited about the economy so to be determined i guess one more reason you got to tune in each and every week see what's happening that week in the market here what people are thinking here seems to be a lot of confusion a lot of guesswork no everybody seems to see we'll see here's another we'll see thomas from garden grove this happens a lot of times people have a small warehouse and the lease is coming up should they try and renegotiate that leech? Should they wait? Same kind of question. What do we do? Now we're switching to warehouse. Any different calculations when it comes to warehouses? Well, much, because you can't compare a warehouse to the uh, residential market because there's no emotion in business. I have a business to run. The flip side also is that the industrial market is very tight. And so... Exceptionally tight. You guys are laughing times. at the rents that people are getting for yeah. little in some places better than class a or class one office or whatever you call it and i don't care where you are in southern california and even in northern california maybe elsewhere around the country it's not as bad but southern california is the tightest industrial market as a whole in the country and you can break it down because you might say hey here's a sign down the street or here's a couple of other listings but if you have a pick a number 10 20 000 square foot small warehouse and you want to look for other options that fit your needs with a dock in the geographical area that you want, with the ceiling height that you want, maybe the power that you want that's not a total dump, you might be left with you know two or three options. And then there might be five or six other people interested in those same two or three options. You have very little leverage. So I would say to the person in Garden Grove, look, you need to be dealing with this early. And if you're looking around, go look and hire somebody to help you. Do not do this yourself. You have low leverage. You are in a horrible position with the landlord, and he could just hold up his hand and re-rent it to somebody else. You need to cut that deal early. Rates are going to continue to go up. They're not going down on the industrial just because of supply and demand, at least not between now and when your lease is up. Now, there's benefit to the landlord to keep you and not have any downtime and not have any improvements and just have you roll over. So you should get a better deal than somebody that's just walking in off the street. But if you think that you have leverage that you're just going to easily go out and find another option, that's just not the case. What about the small end of the market? Has that stuff gone away? Is it getting torn down? I'm thinking of the stuff around the airport. used to be these little, you know, couple thousand square foot. I don't know if it's a warehouse, but kind yeah. of is. You can you got your business in the front and you're shipping out of the back type of thing. I live in Rancho Santa Margarita. There's an industrial park near there that's... Yeah. Yeah, no, you still have a lot of that. You have it all over the county, and that stuff's full. And so the difference between charging rent at a certain number and then charging rent at you know 30 or 50% higher from a dollars and cents standpoint isn't necessarily going to put somebody out of business. And then that person, again, where are they going to go? In many instances, the smaller warehouse folks are close to where they live, so they really have a small geographical area in which they can operate out of and just limited options. And so, again, you have very low vacancy, There is no rent control on the commercial real estate side, so the landlord can charge you whatever he wants. And you need to start early. You need to get professional help. You need to get educated and do it in advance. Do not wait until the end. That's my simple answer. Okay. All right. Well, we've talked about apartments. We've talked about commercial. Let's switch to the one that nobody wants to talk about. What happens to all these office towers? Here's an example of many questions we get like this. 
Henry from Irvine said, I've got a small law firm. Suddenly we have too much space because our staff's working remotely. Should we hold on to that space, assuming they're eventually going to come back? Or should we be looking to sublease or get out of it altogether? Yeah, and that's a toughie. You know, as a business owner, you've got to decide what's best for your business, both short-term and long-term. And so if you're looking at it long-term, unless you've changed the philosophy of how you operate your business, I think long-term those people have to come back to work. But if ultimately you really just don't need the space, then you either want to sublease the space or you want to renegotiate your lease when it comes up and give back some of the space and just take less space. But you'll be kicking yourself if in a year or two you need more space and it's not available. Because the office market will come back. It's not going to come back with a vengeance tomorrow, but it will come back and then you've missed the opportunity. You have to make a decision, though, on do I continue to pay on space I really don't need against the likelihood that I might need it in the future. And these are more business decisions that affect your bottom line for sure. In many instances, people have put space on the market to try and sublease it, which is what has sort of softened the real estate market. You have a lot of sublease space on the market of people just trying to offset their income. So the sublease rent is typically less expensive than regular rent. And so there are deals out there, if you will, for folks that are looking for space. Then you got to find the right fit as well. So I would just say you know, to the small business owner, to the small law firm out there. You really got to take a look at it. And if you can find someone, that's a lot of people do. They say, look, if you could find somebody to help offset my monthly expense, I'll do it. If not, I guess I'm going to keep paying. Right. Well, and you've talked about that even in your own headquarters. You've got a space that you rent out from time to time here and, and the difficulty of finding people these days. To, yes, and so we have we have very nice space. <laughs> if anybody needs an office space, we have, we have one space left and then it'll be gone and then we're back being full. But that is the case. I, I think that, you know, the office market's still struggling, but not dead for sure. All right. Well, another calculation everybody must be making in their head. You got several of these. I'm going to combine them here. Robert from Hollywood was one of them. Got an apartment building. I'm assuming it's a small one. Rents are below market. That's why I'm assuming it's a small one. And he's got a choice to make. Does he try and make improvements to the property? But as somebody else said, i got to borrow that money at a higher rate. Or am I better off just not making the improvements, sticking with lower rent, which means it'll be filled up and remodeled down the day? Or maybe somebody else said, just sell the thing. Yeah. Well, look, again, it depends on what your philosophy is and what you're trying to do. If you're a long-term holder of the real estate, I say fix it up. I say raise the rents and I say improve your property. So number one, your tenants will appreciate the fact that you've put money into the property and made it nicer. And then while nobody likes getting their rent raised, myself included, at least they got something for the increase in the rent as opposed to just sticking it to the tenant and saying, hey, rents are, are high and there you go other side of it is some people go hey, i don't have the money i don't want to spend the money so they just raise the rent anyway as much as they can and give the tenant nothing for it and have not improved the property or they say hey look i've owned this property for a long time i know it needs to be fixed up i know it needs a bunch of work but i still think the market's hot so i'm just going to sell it for a big fat number and i'm going to let somebody else fix it up now i looked at a property on friday uh, last week and that was the case right no one had done anything to this property and it needed a bunch of work the dilemma with that is if you want top dollar and you're selling something that needs a whole bunch of work that dog doesn't necessarily hunt and so you're going to have to find somebody who really wants the property in a great location or you're going to have to adjust your price and come to a happy medium Uh, and then the problem is whoever's fixing it up whether it's you or the next guy who comes along he's got to go fix it up 
with inflation, with supply chain issues, with higher costs, and then he's got to incur the downtime and go deal with the headache of it. And that is what we call in the business value add. But there is a cost, there is a time factor, and it's not for everybody. So I think you got a balancing act of, of do I spend the money and long term I'll get the results? Or do I just cheap it out and go for the short-term benefit? And last but not least, the market that everybody's so intrigued with here, most of your guests, medical office spaces here. In Irvine, I think we have now, what, four hospitals? We have UC Irvine has a uh, medical hospital system. You got Hogue, you got Kaiser, you got New City of Hope opening, breaking ground all within the center of the county here. Is that going to suddenly create a demand for medical uh, office space and where's it going to come from what's that going to look like what's yeah. it going to cost again many dynamics to the medical side of things everybody needs to go see the doctor and so when you have a hospital or a hub you typically have medical practitioners that like to gravitate right near the hub whether it's Hogue or kaiser or whatever and so I think you're going to see a need long-term for medical space near those major hubs. However, when they're building these new ones, they're also building out office space for the doctors that are within their network or part of their program to come and they're offering them space within the hospital or within the buildings that they own, again, to try and capture them and keep it as close to home as possible. However, medical space is very, very expensive to build. And so the hospital, if they're building it, they're covering the expense to do that. If you go to a medical building, typically the medical practitioner has to spend the money out of their own pocket to build it. If the landlord's going to do it, they're going to add it into the price that someone's going to pay. And a lot of these doctors need plumbing and they need sinks and they need exam rooms. They need, and they need gas labs and, and they other sorts all of kinds of stuff. Yeah. And so it's just, it's very, very expensive to do it. It's not for everyone. And if you're a doctor and real estate is not your business. If you talk to most doctors, I think they'd tell you I'd prefer to own the building than pay someone rent, but it's easier said than done. And so I think it's much easier for a doctor to just pay rent, let somebody else deal with it, and then I be a doctor, right, as opposed to being in the real estate business. Well, that's what the doctor in San Clemente named Norman, who has a medical practice, and he's currently leasing, and all that you just said, he'd love to own it, he'd love to control his costs, he'd love to capture the upside as the building goes up you know they used to be building medical condos that kind of stuff years ago yeah yeah and and look if you can find something that's near where you want to be that makes sense to buy you can still go get the sba financing from the government which is still the most attractive financing out there and so you only have to come up with 10 percent down and it makes perfect sense for a doctor or medical practice to be able to do that and then you do control your own destiny and even though the rates are up you're locking that in for 25 or 30 years and so long term you're going to be fine it's fixed and and then if you need it built out the way you want if you're going to be there for the long haul then you go ahead and spend the money on the front end you can incorporate those costs into the financing and then you're still not coming up with a big chunk of change relatively speaking as opposed to traditional financing where you might be coming up with 25 or 30 percent down instead of the 10 and then you have to come up with the improvements on top of it and those folks out of pocket you're going to come oh yeah so so now you're really out of pocket like 40 percent, which now becomes a big number Um, so i I do think that if you can find it and you have the money and you know you're not going to outgrow it or you know you're you're going to be there for the long haul then you should do it if you anticipate growth in your practice or relocating then you know i don't think you'd want to buy anything you just rent so it seems like as we wrap up our grab bag, the one common theme is nobody can decide, should I be short-term or long-term? Should I be renting and uh, month-to-month and, and staying where I'm at and 
waiting to see what happens or should I be somehow capitalizing on the market right now because it might only get worse yeah and and you have to again you have to look internally to say hey what is my long-term plan and let that dictate what you do as opposed to letting the market dictate your business plan i I don't think you can do that but there is a natural knee-jerk reaction to do a shorter term lease and make shorter term business planning no different than when the pandemic hit everybody just went to i can't i don't know where it's gone i can't make a long-term decision now you have that followed with, okay, I don't know where the recession's going. I don't know where the stock market's going. Many people who have money in the stock market have watched their savings and their 401ks and their investment portfolio dwindle, Yeah, as have I and, and, and everybody in the market. So puts a squeeze on your belt, and then you've got to make sure that you're, you're doing things within your comfortability uh, in, in terms of your decision-making. And so, again, that, that gets back to, hey, have people around you that can give you informed to allow you to make informed business decisions that can give you the information that you need and then you're gonna have to sit down and and really make those tough decisions and if you can't make a long-term decision then i say make the short-term decision but then lock it up don't hesitate make your move and go with it yeah okay well that's it i think you're on the right track here and i think people should tune in each and every week because it's fascinating the discussions you have i don't think anybody really knows where this goes we're seeing unprecedented price points the assumption is that can't last forever but Maybe not. Maybe maybe we'll look back 10 years and say, wow, was that cheap? Yeah, well, look, we could look back uh, six months ago and we were talking all <laughs> roses. And now we're in a recession with double interest rates and, uh, and it's a completely different program. And that's why they call it real estate, because it doesn't stay the same. It doesn't go up forever. Don't kid yourself, folks. And it'll change again next week and we'll have to follow it. And so for everybody out there who's tuning in and viewing Thank you again for continuing to follow us, and hopefully we provided some valuable information. If you're not tuning in, you're not listening, then you're not hearing any of this good stuff. Uh, And for the folks that are tuning in, if you see me in the future talking to myself, don't interrupt me. I'm I'm having a team meeting, and we're coming up with a strategy. So uh, with that said, I want to thank everybody here at OC Talk Radio, as always, for putting this together getting closer and closer to the end of the year and, and, and looking forward to seeing what the future brings, certainly cautiously optimistic in terms of the economy and the real estate market as a whole. So tune in next week. I'm Barry Saywitz, president of the Saywitz Company, managing partner of Barry Saywitz Properties. Thanks for tuning in again to uh, Let's Talk Real Estate. We'll see you next time. have it you've been listening to let's talk real estate your weekly bs with barry saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in southern california on orange county's only community radio station oc talk radio streaming live from our studio here at the university of california irvine's beal applied innovation center